Hi, Melanie here from Aviation Tours, unique itineraries for aviation enthusiasts, taking you to some of the most amazing air shows and events in the UK and Australia. They're leisurely, comfortable, fun, escorted, and to all the places you've been wanting to visit. If independent travels out of your comfort zone, or you just prefer the good company of fellow enthusiasts, on a tour taking in the best aviation, motoring and military museums, take a look at our website, aviationtoursnz.com, for more info and join us on the trip of a lifetime. Or call me for a chat on 021 076 8308. Wings Over Britain is proudly supported by the New Zealand Bomber Command Association. Telling the stories of Bomber Command and the New Zealanders who served. Wings Over Britain and the Wings Over New Zealand show greatly acknowledges the fantastic support from Peter and Carola Wheeler of the Hauraki Brewing Company. And we'd like to acknowledge the awesome support from Mel and Kev Salisbury and Aviation Tours NZ. And a huge thanks to all the others out there who kindly supported the tour and the series. Without them, the series wouldn't have been made. Vintage Aviation News is pleased to support Wings Over Britain and Wings Over New Zealand. And we'll be checking in with reports as Dave's tour progresses. Vintage Aviation News is an organization founded by a group of passionate vintage aviation enthusiasts who love to share the history and technology aviation museums preserve for the public. It's our intention to play a role in safeguarding the heritage of these beautiful machines by providing increased awareness and education through the use of internet-based digital media. Vintage Aviation News is an online news resource dedicated to warbirds, aviation museums, vintage aviation, and aviation heritage, and the many enthusiasts who wish to know more about them. The goal of this site is to provide fresh, daily news content for a large community of aviation fans who visit our page regularly. Vintage Aviation News Online can be found on your usual social media channels and at VintageAviationNews.com. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Well, I'm sitting here at uh, RAF Museum Cosford with Darren Priday. Hi, Darren. Hi, how are you? Good. Now, what's your position here? I'm the manager of the Michael Beeson Conservation Centre. But what that means in real terms is I'm in charge of the, the care of the large objects. So okay. aeroplanes, engines, vehicles, missiles. I'm uh, not really sure how far it goes down to where the sm where small starts, but uh, a small object manager and myself will battle that one out when we have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, uh, this is the first time I've ever been to Cosford. Uh, 
the collection's impressive. It's there's a there's quite an array of aircraft and um, they're oh they're great. They're yeah, while we're sat here in Hangar Three, um, you've come at the right time actually because we opened this exhibition um, in May this year on sixteenth of May, which I think is the anniversary of the Dambusters raid right, when, yeah. when it was due to to open. And that's the the other hangar, Hangar Two as well. Yep. Um, we've sort of renovated both the hangars and put this what which is very impressive, I think, very, uh, display here. Um, sort of, it's a timeline one now, which is what we're going to at looking to try and do at both sites. Uh, so now the the foyer to the building here, we've got uh, introduction to the air force, even to uh, World War One, a little bit of into war, um, bit of uh, Battle of Britain, and the hangar we're sat in here now. They're calling it Bomber Command. It's sort of aimed at the uh, offensive on on Germany to uh, for the end of the second uh, Second World War, yep. things like that. Then a little bit of test flight which the hangar 2 used to be full of uh, aircraft for test flight we've got four left in here yep. then you do the cold war hangar hangar four was known as here um in four years time fingers crossed he says hopefully uh, our bottom hangar one is being developed um in the next four over the next four and a bit years to um tell the story from well we call it from falklands to uh, the future okay so right. that's that, that, that that's what so cost will have this natural timeline in about four four years time all the way through. Um, I mentioned that I said a little bit about interwar. The reason I say a little bit because we have the two sites. Obviously, we have our site at Hendon, or proper name London. Yep. Um, what we've got uh, there is the bigger uh, interwar exhibition, which my team are down there working on now, which is due to open. Uh, I think a uh, public opening in sep- uh, fully opening in uh, December this year. Okay. Um, they've only got a little bit of Cold War. Well, we've got that huge big hangar. Right. So we, we tell both stories at both, uh, both sites, but one site will have the bigger exhibition and the other site will have a smaller one. Right. So we've only got three airplanes for World War I. We've got a whole hangar down in London to do, to do with uh, World War I, which is absolutely fantastic. I love, I love that down there. Smell all the wooden airplanes. I see all the ones in the early days. There's something about them. Excellent. But yeah, so but the main the main thing in, in here is where we met actually is the Wellington. Um eleven thousand four hundred and sixty two manufactured and we're down to two aeroplanes now, both in this country, one here and the two thirds, three quarter aeroplane at the Brooklyn's Museum. Right, right. So yeah. Which I saw last week and mm-hmm. also in between I went to East Kirby and saw the wing there as well. So yep, yep. Um, there's a few remnants around the country. Uh not sure if it's still going now, but there used to be a Wellington a museum in Morton on the Marsh in Gloucestershire. Oh, right. Up, up in the Cotswold. Uh, haven't been that way for a while, but obviously with things like COVID and things, you never know if people survived or if it's still open. Yes, yeah. Well, this Wellington here uh, has recently come back onto display after a long restoration, and it looks amazing. It looks fantastic. I think, actually, you know, I visited the RF Museum, I think, 1993 when I was here. Uh, that was one of the aircraft on display at Hendon that really impressed me mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of New Zealand history with the with the Wellington of course we had uh, Wellingtons on 75 squadron but I just really loved it I thought gosh this is amazing and um, seeing that now it just looks even better it just <laughs> looks so good yeah um one of the re- reasons she came off display with it being a fabric aeroplane, um, fabric just well, anything natural on an aeroplane, like even like your rubber tyres, all start to t- deteriorate through yeah. age, uh, drying out mainly. Um, so she was in the middle of the hangar in London, yeah. uh, hence why we brought her up. And I think we brought her up in um, 12 years ago, I think it was, something like that now. Gosh. Um, that's not saying she, she, she hasn't been under restoration for that period, yeah. not completely working on her. Um, really, what we're waiting for or is about this look uh, something like that maybe three year course saying right she's going to be involved in this exhibition then we can look at 
getting the guys on and getting a rebuilt course. Yep. The unknown with her was how long it was going to take to do all that fabric work because uh, I only got the one guy oh, right. to do all my surface finishes. It comes under, so he was doing all the fabric, all the spraying, and everything. And it was very tight at the end. Um, <laughs> but but the main thing is we got her in here on display. Um, majority of her is rebuilt. We've got a few bits and pieces still to do now and then, uh, which is always nice for our um, the team to sort of be able to still to go around and all that. But yeah, um, she's certainly the star of this hangar now. Um, you know, when you've got a V1, V2 in here on the launches, things like that taken up. But, you know, to have something like a Wellington in here is absolutely incredible. Yes, absolutely. Plus, I mean, another big bomber bomber in here is the Lincoln. And yep. I've never seen one of those before. Okay. Um, very impressive. It's sort of just, uh, uh, maybe, maybe not 100% soon, but I think she was just after the war. I don't, yeah. not sure if they actually were any around in the war, but again, somebody probably know that. I can actually say they were right right at the very end of the war, yeah. in, in the war, because uh, number 75 squadron got three ah, of them. They were okay. converting to them. Um, they got three of them on, on station and then the war ended because mm -hmm. they were going to be photographers. So yeah. getting rid of I always say I'm the engineer, I'm not the curator. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's like the big, the big brother of the uh, Lancaster. Mm, yeah. So yeah, so all, all, basically a Lancaster with you know, just a bit of extra length and things like that. But no, she's she's a beauty. Okay. Oh, apologies for that for those listening in. That's probably saying that the museum is shutting and the shop shutting. <laughs> So there's us come find a nice quiet corner in a museum and get interrupted by a tannoy sister. I haven't got a clue what was being said, to be honest. No. Uh, it's like all tannoy systems, isn't it? Uh, yeah. The only word you understand is thank you at the end. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, yeah, you mentioned about visiting numbers here, actually. Um, Cosford is a little bit remote, but um, typically we can get up to... Um, Two, three hundred school kids a day, and that's from wow. like the very young ones up to uh, senior schools, things like that, and universities. I, 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 it's, it's ridiculous numbers. Something like 30, 32,000 kids a year come through here, which is absolutely amazing. Wow. You know, you want to get them interested in aviation, get them into the STEM, uh, get them in engineering, get them to be pilots, whatever, join the Air Force, everything. You know, that's yeah. the idea of bringing them here. Yeah. And of course, from our perspective, is get the youngsters in, get them enthused enough to go home and say, Mummy, Daddy we got to go back and bring their parents back on yeah. another visit. You know, it's all yeah. ticking the box, visiting numbers. And it's, it's the sort of thing our museum, uh, you know, all museums are after, yes. repeat visits. Yeah. That's one thing that I've noticed. Uh, I've been traveling around all different museums over the past uh, two and a bit weeks. And uh, everywhere I've gone, there's been lots of school kids uh, on tours. And that's great. I mean, I don't really see that in New Zealand. I, okay. I, 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 but I mind you, I, I, I may... I may just pick the wrong day, but it is good to see that kids are getting the education through the museums, and you've got mm. brilliant museums in this country. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we we do. Um, and um, one thing I haven't explained, and, and just to make uh, anybody clear, that the RF Museum, we um, we don't fly and we right. don't engine run. Yeah. So the objects in here, we keep them for uh, in original condition for as long as possible. So uh, typically, if, if if something was to fly in here, uh, take the fuel out, make it electrically safe. 
depending on what type of airplane, if it's got weaponry, ejection seats, make them all safe. Um, put the chocks in and that's it. That's okay. that sort of thing. And then look after. Um, but a lot of this collection did come in in the early days and came in by road. So one of the things we've been doing is going around and um, just checking things like over the probably over the last three, four years, uh, wing bolts, things like that, which uh, we found some airplanes have been missing or wrong bolts have been fitted. Right. Um, just because they come in by road and team bringing them in for whatever reason haven't put the right bolts or didn't have the right bolts in the first place not too sure yeah. so we've been trying to correct that and um, bring them up to as, as close to original as possible uh, which has been nice but as I say some things have flown in uh, mainly a couple of things outside uh, we have on display here yeah. uh, Dominique definitely flew in the Hercules flew in so again all, all original uh, up, um, from the last flight uh, into, into Cosford yeah yeah but, and you mentioned outside there's a number of aircraft. Um, what, I guess it's not a criticism, but I guess like every museum, you need more hangar space to try and get some of these things indoors. Yeah. But some of those aircraft are pretty big. So is there a long-term plan to expand buildings so that you can... Um, it's, 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 at the moment, I'm not seeing anything in writing. There's, yeah. there's been talk of the bottom field here at Costa, um on the Cosford side, where we've got the VC-10 and the Hercules, to have a super hangar there for external airplane. I, at the planning, I haven't seen anything about that. Or, or there's certainly no talk at the moment of that happening. Um, the main talk at Cosford site is the uh, bottom hangar one doing the rest of the RF story. And at the back here, um, just sort of the direction we're looking in, I'm not sure if you know, we've got a reserve collection at RF Stafford. Oh, yes, I have heard um, of that. Um, we're going through the lottery grant process at the moment to have a big, storage facility built out yet so we can shut that down right. and that will be an interactive uh, storage facility as well not sure exactly what that means and I don't think anybody in the museum knows exactly what that means in terms of what it will look like because um, we're still in the development phase as I say that's due to happen over the next four or five years but some interaction whatever that means big window so you can look inside uh, a walkway where you can go through the middle high view and galleries maybe yes to all those I don't know I'm saying we're sort of developing it all at the moment and what you can see in here you know we're trying to show off as much of the collection as possible yeah. so I'm sure what we, what we come up with will be um, pretty impressive um, rotation of objects and all these sort of things going on it'd be nice you know going down to the two sites I can send a lot of my volunteers in there to look after the, or do the upkeep of, uh, of our reserve collection as much as we are looking after these things in here yes yeah but sort of going back to what you say about the external airplane yes I, I, or, or any museum with external aircraft will agree the same thing it's yeah. it's, it's the big bugbear uh, we want to have the objects. We really want them inside, yeah, just due to their size. They, they, sometimes it's impossible. Yeah. So you know, it's simple enough to keep these things in, in fairly decent condition. But we're always fighting a losing battle out there, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know that big glowy thing, or <laughs> the weather in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was younger. You know, we used to have summers and winters. Now I don't know. You never know if you what weather you're getting them. <laughs> uh, you probably experienced it all. The, all. the weather we've had this last well last week or so been just absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Uh, you see a cloud come over and you're taking shelter you're going to get an absolute deluge of rain maybe a bit of thunder and lightning in it um, and w it seems sort of more uh, common now in the autumn time to get storms coming through where we're getting incredibly high winds right, right. And, and that's even in this part of the country you know we're right yeah. at almost smack bang in the middle of the UK here yeah. and we're still getting 60-70 mile an hour winds here so right. I mean, what it is for museums or uh, and not just aircraft, any museum with stuff outside uh, on close to the coast must be horrendous, you yeah. know, some of the conditions. So, yeah, yeah we are having to learn to battle 
uh, weather conditions in the UK, bat, bat everything, uh, bolt everything down to the ground and um, fight the fight the battle uh, with weather over here as well now. Yeah, yeah. But when I look around just sitting here, we've got some amazing aircraft. I mean, just, yeah, well, we've mentioned the Wellington, but beside that we've got the Junkers 88, and then beside that a Mitchell 410, yeah, yeah. which is the only one in the world, I believe, isn't it? I'm, my understanding, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's a Fokker Wolf 190. Yeah. Genuine, yeah. these are all genuine. Genuine, all uh, genuine, yeah. yeah. And V1, you've got the V1 and the V2. V2, and then behind us is the Blenheim. Blenheim, yeah. Next door, carrying on the German theme, we've got the uh, Messerschmitt 109. It was uh, in desert camouflage. Yeah. I think it flew about 20 hours in Luftwaffe. Um, colours and then was uh, captured in North Africa and brought back for evaluation. Probably flew a lot longer in, on evaluation with uh, our side. So yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't know if you noticed the you aware of the Mistral fit on the um, the Fokker Wolf 190 where they used to oh. strap them to uh, on on top of other aeroplanes. I think was it Yorkers yep. 88s or things like that. Yes, yeah. It's actually yep. got the fittings under the wing on oh, that yeah, one, which yeah. is quite a um, uh, quite an interesting thing. You used to have like a little explosive charge or something to release it, didn't they? Right. Or something like that once, because they used to fly with pilotless, full of uh, full of bombs and munitions, wasn't it? And then uh, right, yeah. run the engines from it, and then cut the engines at altitude and just let the thing. There's a glide bomb. Uh, yeah, I've actually seen one video uh, on a documentary once where that uh, was happening, because right. I, to be honest with you, I wasn't aware until I came to the museum and saw that. Okay, and I don't know if the the other the other big thing uh, you, you may have seen in here. Again, say we're sat in amongst here, a bit of a story over there about the um, Dambusters raid. Um, yep. Have you noticed Guy Gibson's VC of, in the showcase over there? Is it the real one? That is the Pukagen one over there. Wow. Yes, yeah. There's his medal. Um, there's his uh, medal chain, yep. uh, which includes a replica VC, but the okay. one actually to it, next to it is the actual VC. Okay, because if you we, we've decided to turn it over, I'm not sure if I. Got it because then on the back you can see the inscription, his, his name on there. Right. Yeah. Right. So okay. yes, that, that, that's oh, we'll have his a look original. At that. Yeah. That's his original VC over there. So, yeah. um, oh, in the other hangar there was um, Nicholson, James Nicholson's. Yep. Is that his genuine? Yep. It is. Yeah. Okay. yeah I think I'm, I'm sure that's, a, that's a, his genuine one as well. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's rare that you see the real thing on display mm. in the public. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially uh, after what happened in Waiuru with uh, Charles Uppins. Mm -hmm. ones you know what happened there no no someone did a smash and grab oh, dear. but luckily yeah. they did get them back right okay yeah, yeah. and he yeah. was the uh, only um world war ii soldier or, or mm -hmm. anything that got two vcs so, yeah um yeah they were pretty valuable because mm. the the other thing when i mentioned before we started recording that i had a trip out to wigram um 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was now. Yeah. And uh, one thing I was doing when I was out there was actually looking into, um, uh, in the conservation centre out there, I've got a Hamden, Hamden Page Hamden course. Yes. They were yeah. flown by New Zealand 489. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. There I can remember. Um, it's inter interesting. I met a, we, we, over the years, we've run open weeks in there, normally in November. And uh, one time, uh, very patiently, there was a guy waiting to talk to me uh, about the Hamden. Uh, a few people in front of me, and we had a Hamden Squadron. There's a book called Hamden Squadron, said so does something. And um, he said, Open it up to 489 Squadron, but he had a British accent. And he yeah. said, um, I took that photograph. Oh, right. Well, he said, Yes, I said I was one of the Brits on 489 Squadron. Um, uh, and I, I think it was something, again, somebody's, I'm sure somebody's told me it had to be 60% New Zealanders to be mm. classed as a New Zealand squadron. Yeah. Some, it, it, was, it was a figure like that. Yeah. He said, Yeah, he said I was one of the British on there. Uh, and, and I took that photograph, and that was my crew: Tweet Campbell, uh, uh, 
the, the other guys, uh, Herbie Hyde, uh, and I'm sure there was another name he gave me. So when I was out in uh, Wigram, I went to their archives and come up with some photographs and things like that, including photographs of the guy, um, the British guy. And I, oh, right. When I got back to UK, I sent them all to him. Excellent. Um, and he sent me some logbook details. And he was flying Hamden's uh, operations quite late for Hamden's. It was 42 or 43? Yes, yeah. yeah that's, that's over, a, over the North Sea um, on, on sort of a torpedo, carrying torpedoes and things like that, uh, yeah. potentially looking for German uh, yeah, boats and things like that and ships. Uh, yeah, so I had some logbook records uh, for him, 20-odd um, ops, um, something like that. And I think, I, I think again, a shame I haven't got my laptop with me now. I could have looked at it, but I'm, I'm sure that he was mentioning about they didn't, on this one operation, they didn't find anything uh, due to weather conditions. The weather was really high, high winds and things like that. But, yeah, so it was interesting to see um, the, the connection uh, with, with the Hamden. Mm. You know, getting, yeah. If I have to say, if you're, if you're going to ask me the question... Um, uh, about that, I, I suppose, within museum objects, Hamden, yeah, because when I first started here 18 years ago, uh, I was on the Hamden project. Right. Um, so, yeah, the Hamden's always been close to me. I quite happily give talks um, on the Hamden, go out on the circuit in the UK, yeah. uh, give them talks. And I know there's a bit of a time difference, but if you get back to New Zealand and you want to want me to come on at 3 o'clock in the morning and give a group a talk on the Hamden, I'll probably willingly do that with matchsticks right. in my eyes and right. more than happy to promote a Hamden. And to be honest with you, the, the, what I'm talking to you about actually is part of my, my talk anyway. Uh, the last section, I just introduced a few people that I've been fortunate enough to either meet in person or through their families over the years just to yep. just to give a sort of a bit of a background on the Hamden personalities. Some very, very interesting guys. Uh, you know, the Hamden Ham- 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 is not something really spoken about when, but when you're talking about one guy I met who did 62 operations on Hamdens. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And that, he said that was visiting every German city. I've met, met, met the gen, another guy who did 87 operations in total. I think it was 32 on Hamdens and 55 on Mosquitoes. Yep. Down, yep. In, yeah, down, our, down in the corner, sat over there, you know, yep. and, uh, these are guys. Sadly, that gen, uh, Fred Hill passed away. Who, Okay, time always flies quickly. Whether it was, I think it was it was early this year, age okay. 101, 102. Right. So you know, uh, yeah, but more than happy to give you a little chat on the hand. So yeah, it was. I thought while I was out there, I had to do some research. Um, uh, yeah, to come up with some really good stuff uh, from the, the archives at Wigram. Oh, fantastic. Now, I'm, I'll, I'll hold you to that. We'll do something in the future yeah. with that. Cause, uh, well, you've got my email address now, which is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, uh, the, the, the other talk I, uh, I'm going, which seems quite popular interest, interestingly in the UK at the moment, um, is the recovery of the Dawn of 17 from the Goodwin Sands, yeah, which was that. 10 years ago. Yeah. That was 10 years ago now. That Goodness happened. me, um, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was either the 9th or 10th of June, uh, 2013, yeah, when wow. we pulled that off the Goodwin Sands. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of hit and miss. Um, say if you're gonna, uh, if you know too much about the story, but initially what we were trying to do was have a frame built around her underneath the water, and then lift the frame up with the door and you're inside. But um, found out that they were saying it was sat on the sandbank, but we found out um, not long into it that they were actually sat on a chalk as well. So okay. that meant rather than just being able to push these hollow sections with a vacuum on the back and through underneath the airplane, it ended up being a it ended up being a mining operation. So right. we we went against everything we, we didn't want to do, which was actually attaching to the airframe and lifting because yeah. we just had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. Luckily, she was upside down on the bottom, which exposed bomb bays, uh, undercarriage bays, and all these sort of things. So some of the structures of the airplane um, went for it. And uh, went, we had our initial lift uh, called off about 20 minutes uh, before it's going to happen just to change in weather conditions and see yeah. uh, and then we had another weather window come in and we managed to get her out 
Okay. Um, brought Roach stripped her, um, brought her up here. There's a couple of polytunnels out there where she spent um, just under two years being sprayed with citric acid to neutralize her. Uh, okay. And then she spent a couple of years in uh, dehumidification uh, in there just to suck as much moisture out. So, yeah, she's sat, sat in my place at the moment. Um, again, with the redevelopment of the museum and the new building out there, hopefully she'll go part of that new um, new complex out there that's going to be built for the reserve collection. So, right. well, the problem is with something like that, these my hangar is more modern building. It's not so drafty and not so damp as these these, these sort of hangars. Um, and in here, we'd, if she take up quite a lot of room because you probably have to have a specially built enclosure to make sure she survived. Um, uh, so we haven't done that. That obviously takes up a lot of space. You probably find you, you know, you probably needed space. You could get two airplanes in to do that. Yeah. By the time you've built the building, walkways and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, hopefully we'll maybe start looking into where the Hamden, uh, the Dornier, sorry, can go on display in the next uh, few years as well within the museum. That'll be brilliant. And mm. you know, again, the only one in the world. The only one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, how how complete is it? And does it still have paint and all that sort of thing, or is it? There, there are some areas with, with the paint, with the yeah. citric acid, um, and, and to be honest with you, mo most of the deterioration we found happened in the very early days. Um, what we got out, uh, she didn't deteriorate too much after that. What okay. um, we did then, uh, as, as I say, um, um, my my take on it, in, uh, and there's probably some truth to it, and once she hit in and went down, I think this like marine deposit cocooned her. Yeah. And that probably come in within, I don't know, a year or two, yeah. and then preserve stuff underneath. Once we got her out, we, she was quite heavy because of all this on her. The idea then was to remove all that uh, that marine growth that it was it gone on. Um, I don't know what was in it really. Probably a bit of sand, probably a bit of chalk, but yeah. anything that was suspended in it could just clamp itself and just sort of block uh, block up all the airframe. Um, so you know, we'd, that's the idea with the citric acid we were using was to try and dissolve all this stuff off, and which happened, which worked quite well. Oh, right. um, all the smaller objects, we just get a lump that looked like a rock in a shape um, of something, and we just very carefully soak it again in citric acid. We could do that in tubs, um, just build a solution of citric acid and, and do that, take it in and out and soak it whenever we wanted and chisel away very carefully, plastic tools, and then when you get down to it, it's almost like you see on these archaeological digs where they're out with the toothbrushes and... Yeah. Brush, you know, just to make sure we didn't break a little bit of glass, break a bit of wine, you know, all that. We were very, being very, very careful. Um, so, yeah, we've got quite a few uh, smaller objects. But, yeah, really just about everything that we got back here uh, uh, survived quite well. Excellent. Uh, we did have a few uh, failures. The, the wheel hubs were um, mag alloy, and they looked fine. But just one day, they just come in and just went... Phew. Right. Just literally in front of our eyes. Just, it wasn't even a sudden... Are they going? It was just literally... a turned back to like a powder bank gone oh, yeah um a couple of things like that happened um, a couple of things on the engines that were magaloy some of the casings uh but generally yeah it survived well there's some very good examples of uh, the um the the corrosion process going underneath where we had a lot of mixed metal especially around your engines where you've got the cylinders and the valves and all that lot, lot yeah. where you've got valves stuck out but there's a huge big hole where it's just dissolved away and wow. the galvanic action and stuff like that so there's some great examples of things like that yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah um, quite, quite very interesting project uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I suppose probably the one big thing um, we I never had really had the knowledge of um, and we, we learned was filtration was the key Okay. And we had almost something that's almost the size of a little bucket initially. By within a couple of weeks, we had these four massive big filtration units just because of the what we had initially. We just wouldn't cope right. um, getting that part because it was a recyclable system. So we're trying to filter out much of the 
uh, off run that we could um, get fresh ish citric acid sprayed back on her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, good project, very interesting, learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Would I do another one? <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I was going to ask. No. <laughs> Too old for that, but no, no. I'm, to be honest with you, I don't think uh, us as a museum would probably take anything on like that again now. Yeah. Uh, it's very costly, very time-consuming. Yeah. Um, I'm working with some other groups at the moment who are looking to recover some airplanes. Uh, hopefully that might hit the news at some point okay. as well. Yeah. So all the lessons learned, you can advise other people when they can go and Yeah, yeah, so. a, big, a, a big group. Um, in, in, on, I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about them. So, yeah, there's a big, there's a big yeah. group out there looking to recover quite a few aeroplanes um, out of the sea. Okay. And, and I've worked with them, um, uh, given, what I'm, given all the knowledge I've, I've got and told them I can help them where I can. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. And in, Yeah, definitely. In, hopefully in a short time. Hopefully we might start hearing something. Okay. Might start hitting the aviation press soon. Can you tell me how how did it first come about with uh, Dornia? Who found it, and when was it decided to sort of bring up? Okay, well, going back right to sort of day one, there was a um, trawlerman uh, snagged his nets on something. The Goodwin Sands it came off. It's not, yep. They're not very deep. Um, yep. If I say twenty meters, it's probably that's probably around about right for an, an average of what the airplane was down. He came in, told a dive group, they went out there found the aeroplane uh, and it sort of just escalated from there um, okay. then uh, identification initially uh, they thought it might have been one of these actually Blenheim oh right uh, yeah because upside down to an engine um, Bombay doors were open and all this sort of stuff um, yeah. but then it was uh, led to believe it, one of the dive team female on the dive team went down and come back and said oh I found both of the fins <laughs> and there's no so that was it, big X through the uh, the Blenheim, um, yeah. and then when we started looking, uh, I'm not sure if it was from the early because there were some scans done which were pretty basic, yeah. uh, and then um, Wessex Archaeological London, Port of London authorities got involved with us. Um, we started getting high resolution scans, and from that, I got quite when I first saw the scans initially, I was getting quite interesting. It might be a Hamden, um, uh, you can probably understand twin and everything, yeah, but then yeah. we noticed the shape of the wing flatter almost dead flat wing uh, and the position on the air on the fuselage and then we sort of said hey this is a Dornia yeah. uh, didn't know the mark so the museum then started to do some research uh, and I think they come up with from our records about three aeroplanes that had crashed or were known to crash in that area two of them had come from altitude and the third one um, had, uh, was classed as landing on the Goodman Sands and I think looking at what we've got this is uh, it's that one 5 KAR Okay. Uh, so we've never found a marking to confirm that. Right. Uh, I'll add that in. Um, but, you know, all the records suggest that it's going to be this one from what we can see. To, I think one coming from 12,000 feet shot it shot at 12,000 feet and came down. And, no, that's not that aeroplane. Yeah. Um, this this aeroplane has done a wheels-up landing at coming in sort of landing attitude. Right. Um, from uh, when you look at the propellers and things like that. So, yeah, uh, shrapnel damage on her. Shot, shot from behind. Uh, definitely can see the. But even amongst all that damage and all the deterioration, still see the shrapnel damage. Still see the bullet holes in okay. her. You know, yeah, that was, that was yeah. quite pleasing when we started to uh, get rid of all this stuff on her, all this marine deposit and the, the things like that were still there, visible. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it yeah. sort of just escalated from there. When the museum found out it was a deposit with Dornia and there was no other ones around, uh, we set about uh, recovering her. Um, worth worth pointing out at the moment that there was nothing come out of the public. Um, uh, nothing come out of the public purse. It was all done through um, 
corporate sponsorship, okay. lottery grants, um, well wishes, yeah. one of these dial this number, donate money. So yeah, we, we did it all through that that sort of process, which okay. was very... Um, so we had this process thing where the first we mentioned earlier that the the first lift got cancelled mm. and that was almost the end we really thought you know we we didn't have a great deal of money left in the pot yeah. and could we go on for another week or so um, within, when it looked like the next weather window coming was coming in and we were very fortunate we managed to carry on there were a couple of little other things that almost ended it during that that, that, that period um uh, more to do with the uh the units that were out at sea going, uh, having issues and things like that, not necessarily down to the airplane or the dive team, things like that, but yeah, yeah. but in the end, to say, uh, it was quite surreal, really. You know, you sat there, you'd seen all this work going on and a lot of bad weather. Um, we spoke to local fishermen as part of the project when's the best time to go in the North Sea uh, to recover an airplane? And they said, Oh, May's the calm month, not, not, not that year. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous, the sea was horrendous. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, you can, uh, uh you can only act on what you know, and, yeah. and I'm sure, sure they told us what they knew. Um, yeah, so come and got her out, and when you know, just sat there, and this guy went down and kind of be professional. You know, um, obviously in my industry, I don't really get to work with these uh, dive companies, and uh, they can only go down at certain times, slack water, yeah. uh, when the tide's turning, and they would have a window of about 40 minutes, and then uh, they put a lot of strops on. And to be honest with you, every strop was right in the right place um, where we devised to put them. And then they, they said, look, the weather window, somebody went in, the backup diver went in with him. So there was only one guy really down doing all the work. Yeah. About 20 minutes later, he came up, put thumbs up, he said, send down the jib arm, connected up to that. And then next thing you know, somebody said lift and you sat there thinking, oh, cracky, all this work, all this effort and there is an aeroplane underneath there. <laughs> uh, yes, and dragging out and you can just imagine then the emotions uh, yeah. of everything yeah. and quite a few different emotions, you know, one I was hoping, you know, because I got it out of the water, you're just hoping at that point she wasn't going to break up on you. Got her down on, 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 on the, the, the dumb barge, and you're thinking, crikey. And then the next sort of change, oh, crikey, what have I got that sim for now? Look at all that work. Yeah. You know, sort of, oh, <laughs> you know look, at them, look at all that deposit. She obviously, she stunk to high heaven. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, it, it, we're engineers. We like a challenge. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's probably the biggest challenge I've ever had in my life, without a doubt. But, um, you know, as a team, uh, my, my, my paid staff and, my, and the volunteers we all got stuck in and just did what we had to do which was try and uh, save her as best we could Excellent, yeah. excellent. So um, the Wellington's recently come out of restoration it's still just a few things to be still put on it but is there anything else that's being restored at the moment or is going to go into the restoration shop? Um, actually coming out um just mentioned a team are down in London doing this interwar area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've uh, got a meeting, I think, tomorrow afternoon to decide where the aircraft have come out of there, where they're going to end up. But eventually, there's going to be what, a slot down there for the Hamden, yeah. so she's going to go to London um, with no wings. Yep. It's just going to be our, the fuselage only, and some of that is replication because some of it didn't come back. Um, but I need to talk with our exhibition team to show them what we've got and how we can represent the Hamden. But the good thing is, as well, because what we're trying to do. Uh, most museums can't do it. allow you access into some of these objects. You know, you're walking past, you're seeing uh, all these beautiful objects. You don't get to see what they're like inside. With the Hamden and the way the wing is designed, um, the wing box, when the wing fitted, the wing box is obviously going to be off, and that allows a walkthrough area. Oh, it's about six foot, so people like myself um, bang their head. But again, it, it's access for all people in wheelchairs. Young kids can walk through this area. Um, what we've actually done with the forward fuselage, we've put it onto casters. Yep. so we can move it forward so we can have it as a walkthrough for anybody but if we got 
a team of volunteers or something in it in time we can connect up the two sections people can be told about their heads and they can get to walk through and look look at the cockpit okay. look at the back end so yeah, yeah it's gonna um, prove quite popular from that from that perspective and of course the good thing is nobody's climbing inside so we're not damaging the object people yeah. are getting to see inside so it's sort of a win-win situation That's when we get down there. Idea, yeah. um i've sold the museum they need to clear, clear the whole hangar so i can have a, my whole story written everywhere around the wall um but no, it'll, be, it'll be great to see what it looks like because we've yes. got the original we've made a replica tail boom we've got the original we were trying to repair it we were losing starting to lose so much material in the end we said no right. let's keep it the forward fuselage i think there's about we've made a complete replica to the drawings but we only had about a sixth or an eighth of it come back but again it'd be great to have that on a stand next to the the replica in the yeah. position it would be in yeah. things like that and a few little things like that that we can do um anything that come back with the tailplane all been incorporated in so it's sort of a, a replica but also uh also incorporating the regional parts as well so yeah. all sorts have gone on conservation's gone in there because we um, the, we know there was a fire you could see there was evidence of a fire and we believe we found the, um, the start point there was a uh, wire box with a bullet hole straight through it and it was all scorched on the inside so right. we didn't do anything with that all we've done is just conserve that part so you know sort of a bit of all sorts gone in replication restoration um conservation everything gone into this is, is one project so yeah. yeah um i hate to say how many years that's been going but i think she came to the museum in about 91 92 right. but again um we have so much we're quite a small team we have so much going on and it's the first object that we would just put leave alone yeah. to get on with the next exhibition so she was yeah. ticked over it's probably been in a lot about the last seven eight years that she's made some progress and okay. we've decided we'll bring her up to display standards so yeah i'm really looking forward to that great hoping to when she goes she's going to go to a london side anyway as mentioned uh but on on the night have us i'm sort of an unveiling we're still in contact with the families of the five guys that were on board get all them in but also my inbox i've got plenty of contacts with the hamdens just going to send out this carte blanche email to everybody just saying hey we're gonna have this hamden night or afternoon in london please turn up and just see how many people we can get there with hamden connections right that'd be, yeah, fantastic. be able to the public as well hopefully as well give a quick right. talk on the on the object the prob, uh, introduce the object the, the crew and things like that for our uh, uh, on, on the evening and then go and go and see her so yeah okay be okay. weird to walk into the conservation center and not see the hamden in there uh, i must admit it's uh yeah, so definitely my favourite museum object yeah. of other objects because I spent 26 years in the RAF. Um, my very first out of training and my very last aeroplane before I left the Air Force was a VC-10. So okay. that's obviously that, 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 that's my uh, little baby, that one down there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there is one thing wrong with the VC-10 the VC uh, down there, and I'll, uh, I'll admit that. Um, I think they were in 40, something like 49, 50 years in RAF service. And all that time, by the last one or two years, they were on 10 Squadron. And okay. then 10 Squadron got disbanded and they went on to 101 Squadron. Yep. She's marked in 101 Squadron numbers. Oh, right. Imagine that, eh? I yep. was twice, two tours on 10 Squadron. <laughs> uh, so I come in and I see that. And yeah, okay, I try and... Yeah, I was up there washing it. Uh, we were washing it uh, last, last couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I should have gone up there and just wiped off that other one. <laughs> made it look like 10 squadron. <laughs> but, you know, I still go inside. still can remember my very first days from being in the air. Uh, uh, as an aircraft engineer in the Air Force, getting shown around a VC-10, yeah. doing the after flights, doing the before flights, cleaning out, you know, sluicing out the toilets, adding all the water. It's all there in my mind. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the museum will make use of a... Uh, my memories on the VC-10 at some point and uh, get a guided, get me as a guided tour, tours yep. around the aeroplane. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, Cosford, compared to Hendon, is probably out of the way to most sort of tourists coming here. Or, But 
it's certainly worth coming. Um, what would you say to uh, anyone out there who's considering it? Um, both our museums have uh, a, a brilliant, yes. Cosford is that little bit more. London, you've got the transport. You can get the train, the, the tube. Uh, it's about a 10-minute walk to Collingdale, not, not not to Hendon as well, actually, if anybody's uh, thinking coming. But, yeah, Cosford, yeah. you really do need a car. There is a train station, which is about a 15-minute walk uh, up, 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 up to here. But, um, yeah, that's definitely worth a visit. And um, uh, Cosford's getting better and better year, year, as, as years goes on. You know, what you've got here now is... Um, Beautiful, not just an, uh, it, it's, it's family orientated. We've got the um, area outside, the play area, which since that's been open, it's amazing. We've got the, the zone in there. They used to call the fun in flight, I think they call it flight zone or something like that now, where you've got some simulation rides, right. Spitfires, uh, 3D cinemas, and, and uh, VRs, and all this sort of stuff. So you've got the stuff for the kids, you've got stuff for the aviation enthusiasts, but just generally good day out. It's a big site, so you can come here on a great, like, lovely summer's day and spend virtually the whole day here if you get in early enough restaurants everything you'd expect to find on one of these places but again the important thing is come learn one thing and go away happy yeah and then return <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah no um well thank you very much for taking the time no. to you know sit down with me and talk about your museum no thank you very much dave and um, enjoy the rest of your time when you're in the uk i will yeah that's <laughs> going to be great cheers and i'll hold, hold you to that about the hamden talk we'll be in touch in the future absolutely fine make sure you get hold of big room as well because they might want to thing and sell it to the whole in New Zealand. I will. I don't mind how many I talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks very much, Darren. No, thank you. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Mm -hmm.